Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Did you realize this is our 10th episode? 10? It's our 10th episode. It doesn't seem like that at all. We're in the double digits, baby. It's so much fun. It's a big deal. I've been really enjoying watching where we're getting downloads from. That's kind of a, yeah. a trip. We're, we've had... Uh, Brazil. Brazil. Mm-hmm. We mentioned earlier, I think in our last episode, Iceland. There are people in Iceland that listen to us. China. China. London. Yes. Lots of downloads from London. Yeah, it's been so much fun. And um, getting feedback. Yes. Feedback from um, the Facebook page and emails. I got an email from Love City, which is wonderful. Love City. Uh, the city you know, of brother, brotherly always, love. You mean you mean Philadelphia? You no, know I don't mean Philadelphia. Oh, you mean, okay, Washington, D.C. is what you call Love City because it's where we went for our honeymoon going on three years ago. It's called Love City. Love, love City. Okay. Um, yeah. And we had so much fun. Oh, my gosh. We spent five days museuming and eating. And in a, a part of an afternoon getting screamed at by a hobo. But yes, yes. But we don't need to tell that story. That was terrible. It was a waste of a cookie. I'll and just sad. put it that way. Also, we went to uh, the Holocaust Museum, mm-hmm. which was fascinating and tragically sad. Yeah. It was beautiful and perfect and so upsetting and it was something I'd never been before and so I I had steeled myself I was prepared mm-hmm. for it and I was in no way prepared for it even though you know yeah but we did get mocked pretty mercilessly well you um, somebody sneezed you uh, you yelled out guzintite and that was ironic I thought it's that's it's not ironic you really don't understand what that <laughs> word means I think I love you honey okay. but All right. it's 
I'm going to buy you a dictionary. Okay. The museum that we're really looking forward to going to and we haven't done yet is uh, the Mütter Museum. Yes. My friend Tony got to go there a couple weeks ago, and I really struggled with uh, the ratio of excited for him and just really resentful um, that was inside my heart. I wanted to be like 100% jazzed for him, but instead I was really only like 12% jazzed for him, and the rest was just like, you know, ire. You wanted shooting to, from my eyeballs. Yeah, and you wanted to poke him with sharp, jaggy things. Yeah, mostly I understand sticks. That. Mostly yeah. sticks. So, no, it was good. And I can't wait to go. I, the Motor Museum is amazing. And, um, I, you know, I, I'm interested in going to the Penis Museum now that we've, we've in Iceland. Yeah. thoroughly Explored. discussed that. Yeah. We are such museum geeks. Yeah. It's the Box of Oddities. We talk about weird things. You know that. You've been with us for a couple of episodes, I'm guessing, at this point. And who's going to go first today? We um, should figure this out beforehand. Why don't we do this? I don't know. Um, let's, let's just do uh, a back and forth thing. So who went last time? You and went first we'll last go... time. I did? Yeah. Okay. So you, you should go first this time. Okay. You just want to alternate from now on? It just seems Maybe like, somebody can send us a, a suggestion. A good... Maybe, because we're horrible at this. I mean, we are 100% yeah. horrible at deciding. We never have change to flip coins or... We're, ju- we're just... We're really crappy at this part it, of it. <laughs> Theboxofoddities.com. Is our website. The email is curator at theboxofoddities.com. Tell me a story, Jethro. (laughs) I'm going to talk today about famous last words and bizarre deathbed visions. Awesome. Okay. I love it. All right. You know how much I love famous last words, and we've talked about this so many times. So I'm excited to see if you found new ones. Okay. Well. Oh, I hate that I just said ones. I'm excited to see if you found some that are new to me. That was much better talked. With the wordy word times. Mm. I talk good, me. You talk good, you. So no, I do. I came across an article that was written about hospice workers and some of the things that they had seen sure. at deathbeds. And it got me interested in, uh, in that and uh, some of the um, experiences that people have. And that led to famous last words. So I thought I'd kind of lump it all together. You know it. I love it. I actually uh, got a book called One Last Hug Before I Go, The Mystery and Meaning of Deathbed Visions. Uh, which is by hmm, Carlo, I don't know. Carlo. What's it called? One last hug before I go. Yeah. You can't read this little tiny icon. Carla Wills Brandon. Yes, PhD. <laughs> I like that because the PhD are in bigger font. Yeah. So that's what you yeah. could read. <laughs> it's like, PhD. <laughs> According to this book, there are a lot of common threads throughout uh, this sort of thing. You know, you've heard about uh, near-death experiences, the tunnel of light and, and, and that sort of thing. And, right. And which, those those things happen sure. with deathbed visions, but there's so much more. For example, people often talk about going on a trip before they die. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, well, like they're preparing, yeah. But yeah. they'll say, did you gas the car up? Oh, because they're probably their brains connect the idea that they're going somewhere sure. with the things that they normally would do in life, getting ready to go somewhere. So I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, just a couple of uh, cases from this book. And then I'm going to talk about famous people and their last words. Cool. And their deathbed visions. Okay. From her book, woman said, I sat on my sister Eleanor's bed. I took her hand and it, was, it felt like it was on fire. And she looked around the room and she said, there are so many of them. I see them all. They're all here. There's Fred and Ruth. What's Ruth doing here? 
Now, Ruth was her cousin, and Ruth had died a week before, but nobody told this woman who was in the bed dying that Ruth Uh. was dead, but she saw Ruth. Right. Beckoning, Ruth, uh, beckoning her to the other side. That's not an uncommon situation. It happens quite a bit. Right. People do lie to their dying loved ones often <laughs> yes. about their dead loved ones. Yeah. I think it's important that we lie to people who are dying. Don't you? <laughs> Another story from the book. Uh, my father had been confined to his bed. My brother suddenly passed away. His death was very unexpected, very premature. As a family, we elected to withhold this information from my father. Again, Liars. good, lying to the dead people right? or the near, nearly dead people. As he was dying. I'm sorry. I just, I just made a bumper sticker in my head of like my new band, which is called Lying to the Dying. <laughs> lying to the Dying. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please tell me more about this thing. Uh-huh. Okay. So the guys, you know, it's, it's pretty close to to checkout time for for his father. And his Mm -hmm. father said, I used to have three children. Now I only have two. And he did not know that his other son had died. They kept that from him because, again, lying to the dying. Sure. We asked him why he said this, and he just looked at us like we were all crazy. And he said, he's right over there. He's waiting for me. He's waiting for me to go. I think that's just weird. You know, there's just no way that... uh, you know, they, they knew these things, but somehow, you know, because the argument for, for relatives or, or seeing people when you're dying, the argument is, well, the brain's misfiring, lack of oxygen, right. maybe it's medication, it's the morphine. In situations like that, where you don't know that those people have passed, it does lead to that that question, yeah. like, well, how, how did, did they, they know? know? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, of course, I, I think that probably they're just, you know, dying and so they're just talking jibba jabba but yeah no it's interesting <clears throat> reminds me of a, a near-death experience a woman uh was in an operating room and uh died sure and she said her spirit went up through the ceiling mm-hmm. and up above the hospital and she said while she was floating above the hospital she saw a tennis shoe on the ledge of the top of the hospital that she could not possibly have known was there right. or had seen and her husband went up with a couple of the members of her family to check, and there was a tennis shoe on the ledge exactly where she said it was. That is fascinating. I'm not denying that. But let's really focus on why there was a tennis shoe on top of this building ledge, because that's just creepy. How do shoes get on the highway? Do you think that, like, there are people out trolling for hobos and they lost their bait? What is with your obsession with hobos today? I just love the word hobo. Um, I know how that happens because I have done that kind of thing on multiple occasions. I can remember so many times where I was trying to, I don't know, entertain myself or dry something out the window Mm -hmm. uh, of a moving vehicle and then just lost my grip and then my dad would have to turn the motor home around and, oh man, did I get scolded. Didn't you lose your pants out the window one time? I did. (laughs) (laughs) How did that go? Um, Your your pants got wet somehow. It was one of those things, yes, we had left the beach, I think, and I, I had put my pants back on and I was trying to dry them out the window and it was one of those things that I was scared to say hey I just lost my pants out the window (laughs) so I delayed much longer than I should have but then my stepmother was like did I just see something fly out that window and I was like I don't know (laughs) it's just me pantsless cat (laughs) 
We're going to turn this 42-footer around. And then there's a guy behind you on a motorcycle with pants stuck to his helmet, trying to maintain control of his vehicle. It didn't turn into planes, trains, and automobiles. It was just everything, pants. Everything turns into planes, <laughs> trains, and automobiles in my little world. My Little World, the first album from Lion to the Dying. <laughs> <laughs> Available now on Sony Records and Tapes. They don't make tapes anymore. No. Or records, for that matter. That's not true. Of course they make records. Well, they do. Yes, they do. In fact, We I'm, have many. I'm a big vinyl <laughs> <weirdo>. aficionado. <laughs> Most people are just downloading, is my point. Um, okay, so how about, uh, about uh, Johann Sebastian Bach? I've heard of him. Visually blind. Suffered respiratory complications. Not not audio blind. I'm just quoting this article from some place. Cut and paste. I get it. Uh, Psychology Today. Okay. All right. He suffered respiratory complications and uh, had been afflicted by several strokes. He was a musical genius, of course. And he was even able to compose on his deathbed, Before Thy Throne I Now Approach, one of his pieces of music. During the hours of his passing, he supposedly regained his vision, got up, and finished writing it. What? And then he died. I don't know. who. According to who? Some guy. It's like a hobo. Stop. <laughs> it's a fun word. Come on. It is. This is, uh, this is according to an article in... Um, psychology today i'm just curious where they got that information where they got that information from. from like from. was there someone else in the room why didn't they assist him uh well he was that's a good point and really you know it happened so long ago that it's really kind of hard to prove and it, it, it may fall into the category of urban legend fine ruin my fun i'm sorry steve no. jobs oh okay. steve jobs when he was dying his last words were oh wow oh wow oh wow that's not a real good one, is it? Well, I mean, it could be a lot of things. Yeah. The McRib is back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That is exciting. Yeah. Okay. We'll leave that one where it is. Okay. Uh, Roger Ebert also spoke about a vision. Roger wasn't really sure if he believed in God or an afterlife or anything like that. He had his doubts. But toward the end, something really weird and interesting happened to him. Okay. And he wrote an email to a friend the week before Roger passed away. He started talking to a friend about uh, visiting another place. And, of course, he thought, you know, he was hallucinating. And I, I have a question. Yeah. Did he have, like, a long illness? Did he, I mean, is it, was he dying at this point? He was, he was dying. This was a week before he died. Okay. It was, but, like, the days leading up to it. Right. But was, was he in the process of dying? Like, did he have... Some sort of illness that was taking yes, him. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, he had uh, he had his jaw removed. I don't know. I don't know anything, Robert Ebert. I just know that he he was mean about movies that I liked. Really? What movie did you like that Roger Ebert panned that has made you angry? I'm not angry. I just don't know anything about the man. Please continue with your story. All right. So the week leading up to uh, his his death, he talked to his friend about uh, being visited or actually visiting this other place. And, and he thought he was hallucinating. His friend thought maybe they were giving him, you know, too much medication, which obviously is a concern and certainly, I'm sure, has caused hallucinations. Sure. That, but the day before he passed, he uh, he wrote an email to his friend. It just said, this is all an elaborate hoax. And so he wrote back and he said, what's a hoax? And he said, this world, this place, it's all an illusion. 
He went on to describe that this is just a vastness that we can't even imagine. It's a place where the past, the present, and the future are all happening at the same time. It's all happening at once. We just can't perceive it through our senses. Huh. That's fascinating. That is really fascinating. You know what else was fascinating what? was the the movie Tommy Boy. And it had so many layers, and obviously Chris Farley is a genius, and I just feel like 1995's Tommy Boy was very underrated. (laughs) Roger Ebert pan Tommy Boy. Well, I'm glad he's dead then. (laughs) (laughs) Because that was a good movie. I enjoyed it. It was a great Farley spade vehicle. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, Sam Kinison, let's move on to him. About 7.30 p.m. on Friday, April 10th, 1992, he's driving his um, Trans Am, his Pontiac Trans Am from Los Angeles to Laughlin, Nevada. His brother's following along in a a van behind him. Now, Sam Kinison, of course, famous for all of his... Yelling. Yelling, all of his uh, drug use and alcohol abuse. Mm -hmm. But at this point, he was clean. Sure. He had cleaned up his act. He was sober, driving along, boom, boom, boom. His brother said that he saw a pickup truck weaving into his lane. And Sam saw it, and he slowed down to about, they estimated, 15 miles an hour to try to uh, avoid this. But the the kids that were driving the truck, I guess, had been drinking. They hit him. Boom. And the van with his brother pulls over. They run up, and kids in the truck were just minor injuries, no big deal. Uh Sam Kinison gets out of his Trans Am, and it looks like it's just minor injuries for him as well, too. He had a a cut on his nose and on his forehead, and they said, Sam, lie down. You need to lie down. So he lies down, and he's holding his head. And uh, one of his friends that was in the van with his brother behind him, Carl LeBove, laid down with him. And he said, at first, it looked like there were no serious injuries to Kinison, taking this from an old Rolling Stone article. Okay. But within minutes, he suddenly said to no one in particular, I don't want to die. I, I don't want to die. Lebov later said it was like he was having a conversation, talking to somebody that wasn't there, some unseen person, somebody else. There was a pause as if Kinnison was listening to the other person speak. And then he suddenly said, but why? And then another pause. And then Kinnison said, okay, okay, okay. And he, he said, it's so sweet. The last okay was just so sweet and so peaceful. It was as if somebody had said the right thing to him to calm him. Hmm. And then he closed his eyes and died. I didn't know that's how Sam Kennison died. You didn't know that? No. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Draw your own conclusions there, I guess. Leads me to my final story. Okay. It's about my mother. Okay. You know this story. I've I told do. you. I've told you this story. I do. I'm I'm stealing myself right now. Okay. I'm ready. Usually we tell stories that we haven't shared, but this is one that I, I've only told a few people. I've told you, and, and of course, my, my sister knows she was, she was there mm-hmm. and a few other people. But I'm okay. It's just there were certain jokes that I was saving for the end of your last story, and now I, I can't use them at all. That was my plan. Dang it. Okay, go ahead. My mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, she, she fought, and, and she did really well. But before she got really sick, she took a trip to visit my sister. Before she left, she left my dad a note, stuck it on, a, on the computer screen, a little one of those sticky notes, little post-it notes. Went out and visited uh, my sister, came back. But apparently the post-it note fell off because he, he never saw it. A few months went by. She got uh, quite ill. And uh, the last few days of her life, she started seeing things that weren't there. Like she was 
picking something up out of the air. And we asked her what was going on. And she said, my grandmother was there who had died 20 years before, mm. uh, was there with, with fresh biscuits that she had made. Mm. My mom loved my grandmother's yeah. homemade biscuits. The, the people in your family make good biscuits. <laughs> they do. We're biscuit makers from way back. She asked me one. she was just staring off into the corner of her room one afternoon and I asked her what she was looking at. And she said, who put those draperies there in the corner of the room? And there were no draperies there. When she passed away, it was, um, there was a blizzard going on. And because of that, the funeral home could not come to get her for a few hours. Mm -hmm. So we're all sitting in the kitchen and the phone rings and my dad goes over to answer the phone and there's nobody there. And so he hangs the phone up and we go back and we're sitting there at the kitchen table and waiting for the funeral home to come and get her. The phone rings again. Nobody there. We're thinking, that eh, must be the storm. It's a big, big blizzard. Sure. A few minutes later, the phone rings again and there's nobody there. Oh, well, that's weird. So my dad decides he's going to go down into his den and just kind of tidy up and stay busy. Yeah. And while he's doing that, he finds this post-it note that had fallen off the screen of his computer the year before. He had not seen this note. From when she went to visit your sister. Right. And the note said, take care of yourself while I'm gone. Don't worry about me. I'll call you when I get there. So there's that. That's pretty great. Yeah. Miss you, Mom. Mm. But I still you know, want to use my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do, sweetie. <laughs> I know. You know, the thing is, it was a wonderful experience because yeah. it, 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 it does, gives me hope that I'll see her again. Right. You know? And yeah. that's a wonderful thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead and tell your jokes, joke girl. <laughs> No, I'll save it. All right. I'll save it. I'm sure there's something else that I can mock you for later. <laughs> there's plenty of it's opportunity fine. for that. <laughs> this is the Box of Oddities. I said box. Time for that thing in the middle. Misspelled tattoos. Our five favorites. Number five. Only God can fudge me. <laughs> Number four. Thunder only happens when it's raisins. What are these, auto-correct tattoos? <laughs> Number three, I'm Amsau. Number two, quote, it's my life, John Bovey. <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to call him John Bovey from now on. <laughs> He's John Bovey. Oh. And number one, obviously, no regerts. No regerts. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Okay. Um, that was fun. It was. So, of course, theboxofoddities.com is our website. Uh, you can get in touch with us by emailing curator at theboxofoddities.com. If you have a misspelled tattoo, we want to see a photo of it. Yes, please. All right. My go time? Your go time. Okay. Um, all right. So 
this was something I actually didn't know if I was going to be able to turn into a topic. But then as I did a little more research, uh, it it was a plethora. I mean, a wealth of information regarding our weird first ladies. And uh, let's start with Julia Tyler. Okay. So Julia Tyler wasn't John Tyler's first wife or first first lady. But when uh, his first wife died and she married into the job, she decided she was going to use this position to make herself famous. This was the earliest Kardashian that we know of. (laughs) She was... In it to win it. So according to the National First Lady's Library, shortly after her marriage, Julia had a very flattering etching of herself made, wearing expensive jewels and a fancy dress. And she posed doing like an extreme head tilt, which they suspect was kind of like the duck lips of the time. Ah, sparrow face. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing it, too. Okay. It looks really uncomfortable. She was trying to start her own thing. Uh, <laughs> she had labeled it the president's bride, uh, which, of course, is nice. It's a nice reminder of your wedding day, but that was not the plan. She actually had them mass-produced and available for sale so everyone what? could have them in their homes. You need wow. to have the portrait of the president's bride in your home. And uh, I've been lips. I've been looking for something to put in our guest bath. So I think that probably the president's bride That's perfect. would be really nice. Yeah. Julia also, by the way, was the first photographed first lady. Um, and she was known to try to get her name in the papers however she could. She be- befriended a- reporters and made sure that they were... Um, Always follow. I mean, she she enlisted paparazzi. Let she was ahead know. of her time. Yeah, yeah. And she would if they if press wasn't planning on being at events that she was going to be at, she would call in anonymous tips about how she was going to be arriving and what her dress was going to look like. Well, how did she do that? There weren't phones then. She was. She wouldn't call in. She wouldn't use a telephone. Okay, good. She would. Let the press know I that see. she was going to be anonymously. She would, yeah, yeah. Wow, she was devious. She knew what was up. She, she was, had a goal. She was going for it. She was playing the media. <laughs> she also became so famous that people would write her directly about pardons if they wanted, um, you know, to be pardoned or if they wanted federal jobs. They would contact the first lady instead because she had become such a celebrity. That people thought that, that she could get stuff done. Was that Taylor or Tyler? Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. That must that must have pissed President Tyler off big time. Bigly. Why? Because, I because mean. Because he wasn't getting the credit, you know, that huh? he probably feels he deserved. Maybe. Um, but I like to think that, um, I don't know, he found it endearing. Sure. He let the president's bride do what she wanted. Mm-hmm. I like it. Okay, good. All right, so uh, Louisiana Adams, or Louisa Adams, not Louisiana Adams. Louisa Adams. uh, She was John Quincy Adams' wife, and she was the first lady born in a foreign country. She was born in England, um, which is in itself not weird. You know, it's just kind of interesting. She played the harp. She wrote satirical plays. She was... She was very interested in the arts, and she raised silkworms. What? (laughs) She had a hobby, 
Uh, she was really oh, wow. into raising silkworms. What is like an ant farm or something? Something she just, like that. I just, don't... Um, I'll be back in a in a in a few minutes. I need to go harvest my silkworms. I gotta go tend to my worm. <laughs> uh, uh, Florence Harding, the uh, National First Lady's Library, says she grew up surrounded by people who put hexes on their barns to warn off evil spirits. Sure, and she really kind of adopted that idea. the The whole practice of uh, I don't know. Barn hexing? Juju. Uh, just really stuck with her. And so she became super superstitious. Um, super superstitious? Yep. She was uber superstitious. Let's go with, okay. with that way. Okay. Um, she had a clairvoyant that she used uh, called Madame Marcia, who read her Zodiac and would go into trances to warn Florence of anyone in the administration who was out to get her husband. Madame Marsha. Yeah. That doesn't sound mediumish at all. Really? Yeah. No. You know, I think of like names like Zolok. <laughs> you know. Zolok sounds like a delicious stew. It like does. I'm, get, I'm hungry. I need a hearty scoop full of Zolog. <laughs> Can you pass the chili peppers? <laughs> I'm really hungry. I'm hungry. Um uh where was I? Oh yes, Zolog. So I would put beans in it. And like a nice no, rich no, sauce. No, 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 no. First okay. ladies. Oh yes. So um, <laughs> Florence was way into quack science. Uh, she uh, consulted a homeopath uh, for almost anything that was, you know, f- physical health related. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't need to be someone who was renowned or well known for these things. I mean, she would, if there rode by a cart. With a sign on the side that said "Doctor So and So's Magic Cigarettes," she would be like, "Yes, I am in. Bring it on." Um, and uh, there was also some uh, some problems with President Harding having a heart attack and her homeopath saying that it was heartburn. Heartburn. And it didn't go well. Not enough magic cigarettes, apparently. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> Harding actually died because of incompetence, because Florence was so into these sciences. These, these pseudoscience. Exactly. Quackery. Quackery. Yeah. Methods yeah. of. Okay. Quackery. The second album from Lion to the Dying. My favorite. Um, Nancy Reagan, she consulted an astrologer, and not just a little. Um, It was a mere pastime to a certain point, but after uh, Ronald Reagan was shot, she became obsessed. She consulted with an astrologer named Joan Quigley just about every time he left the house. She, um, oops, I totally lost my my place. Okay, so uh, Quigley actually only met the president once, but she actually had a direct line to him through the first lady. Uh, Nancy relied on her for everything uh, when it came to picking out rooms for uh, press conferences, how speeches would go, the State of the Union addresses, takeoffs and landings of Air Force One ties that Ronald Reagan yeah. would wear. Yeah, I remember hearing about this uh, at the time. It was it was really controversial because there were some that claimed that uh, Reagan policy was being made 
by, by, an astrologer. by an astrologer. There was some concern about it. Nancy actually tried to hide her reliance on the astrologer by paying through a third party. But eventually, you know, it got out. Sure, as it always does. mocked mercilessly by yeah. the press. Um, again, not a weird thing, but an interesting thing. Uh, Lou Hoover, who was Herbert Hoover's wife. Wait a minute. Lou Hoover. Lou Hoover. Yep, she lived in that the Grinch sounds, Village. That sounds... Um, that, <laughs> that sounds... Next to Cindy Lou. Yeah, that sounds like a Dr. Seuss character. Yes. Little Lou Hoover. <laughs> um, she was the first woman to graduate from Stanford University with a geology degree. She also spoke fluent Chinese. Interesting. It is interesting. Uh, you, if you look at photos of her, she looks like she's... She's modern. She's a modern lady, and I want to know her. She's dead. Oh, um, yeah, for a while now. Mm-hmm. For a while now. <laughs> Dolly Madison. When Dolly Madison hit Washington with her husband, nasty rumors started swirling because Dolly was well-known throughout the area. For her snack cakes. Nope. Nope. Well, I mean, you could say for her snack cake. Really? Yes. That was the really? word that many people had enjoyed her snack cake. And <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's how she got to know uh, people that got her married to the president. But but by the time he married her, wasn't her snack cake stale? Um, no, that's actually, that's a horrible rumor uh, led by the religious right to control women. Snack cakes don't get stale. They just get experienced. Okay. I see. They they, They do. (laughs) Um, She also loved to party. So she would throw parties weekly at the White House and invite the press and invite um, Congress and uh, stars, the well-known. Actors. The Yes. Of the day. The famous of the day. Ah. Um, it would be like if, you know, sure. Melania threw parties for Congress and Hollywood and anyone else. What about Melania's snack cake? How um, fresh do you think that is? I feel uh, uncomfortable. What's the word that I'm looking for? Cream filling? <laughs> Oh, I don't, I don't want to uh, suppose about Melania's snack cake. Okay. I mean, we've all seen it, right? I haven't. You didn't see that picture of her with her snack cake? <laughs> no. Huh? Why are you looking at snack cake photos? It just popped up in my feed. And that's not how that happens it's with not snack like cake photos. It's not like I'm hungry or anything. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's just, you know. Snack cake photo popped up on my news feed. That's just not how it works. Well, the snack cake part was blurred out. All right, then. But, you know, it was there. You could tell it was there. Have you been Have you been researching snack cakes after I go to bed? <laughs> I, have to, I have to empty all my cookie folders. Oh, wow. You know, so you don't know that I've been... I've been Googling snack cake pictures. This has gone straight down the shitter. Okay. Um, uh, Yeah, she had big parties. Okay. According 
According to Secret Lives of First Ladies, Bess Truman never wanted Harry Truman to be president. Uh, she actually wasn't thrilled that he was in politics at all. Um, and when they uh, they moved into the White House, uh, she hated it. She didn't want to live in D.C. She did not want to live in the Capitol, even a little bit. Nothing was good enough for her, um, including Washington, D.C. laundromats. Um, <laughs> she hated the idea that any of her laundry would be cleaned in the Capitol, she wouldn't have it. She packed it up and sent it to Kansas City to be washed. And then they shipped it back. Yep. How much did that cost, I wonder? I don't know, but I am sure that it was it was on the taxpayer's dime. Kansas City? Yep. That's where they do the good laundry. <laughs> I did not know that. No, going to Kansas City. Kansas. That song's actually about doing laundry. I was not aware of this. Yep. Fats Domino got some blueberry uh, pie on his top so that uh, he had to go to Kansas City. I see. <laughs> what are you, drunk? <laughs> are you drunk? We need to do a drunk episode. They got episode. some crazy little <laughs> Maytags there and I'm gonna. No. Oh, yeah, a drunk one would be fun. Let's do a drunk episode. Um. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> That's I I meant to wrap that up in a in a better way than singing uh, Kansas City songs, but that was that. That's, That's nice. all I got for it. Okay. Well, oh, I enjoyed man. it. I enjoyed this it immensely. This was a dumpster fire. Well, it happens. Oh. It happens. We should just do an episode on dumpster fires sometime, as opposed to just doing a show that is a dumpster fire. <laughs> All right, is it my turn? Because I've got to tell you about a dumpster fire uh, in Ontario <laughs> the, once. The Ontario in dumpster fire. In 1998, there was a dumpster fire off the 4th Street, and it burned for hours. The end. Theboxofoddities.com is our website. All of our social media feeds are there. <laughs> our email address, of course, again, curator at theboxofoddities.com. If you have an idea for a topic or if you just want to show us a picture of your misspelled tattoo. But no snack cakes. Please, unless you send them to me privately. Don't tell Kat. Okay, bye. Keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly. And so... Let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those of whom I report to, to beseech you for assistance. The Box of Oddities is free. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. 
Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.